Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with Vincent Mayer, CEO and founder of GoFi. Vincent, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Roy. Nice nice to be here. So we're going to mix it up a little bit on the show today and talk about the wonderful world of equity crowdfunding. So Vincent started a company, GoFi, which is the first coffee company to deliver the same drink one would order at their favorite coffee shop right across from the office. So you guys have been currently delivering upwards of a thousand cups of coffee a day to offices throughout Midtown. Uh, and just recently, uh, ending in October, you finished the full million seventy thousand dollar raise on Start Engine for your equity crowdfunding campaign. So, congrats on that! And really, would love to hear, you know, where where did this idea start from? You know, what inspired you to create GoFi? Of course, uh, you know, it's uh, it came from a combination of things. But let's be quite honest; I'm pretty sure everyone dreamed at one point uh, to go and create the ideas of having this coffee delivered instead of going outside and like it is today in New York, uh, braving the snow or even worse, braving the long lines of the same coffee shop every day. So the idea came in with a combination of things. We realized that, uh, you know, making a cup of coffee didn't have to be as complicated and as uh, advanced as people try to make it to be. Uh, two, we also realized that every single office provide uh, a coffee solution it's usually bad. I think it's pretty rare for me to have worked in a place where, you know, I was amazed with the coffee machine that I was getting. And then three, realizing that, you know, people are starting to really be loyal to a certain taste. Uh, you know, they become acquired to a type of coffee, you know, cappuccino versus latte or cold brew versus an iced coffee and different brands as well where loyalty is very strong. So we figure out that if we could create a marketplace that would aggregate all the brands, all the different drinks, and then offer the convenience or make it deliver inside the office as a solution could probably work. And, and that's what we created. So you're not originally a New Yorker, I take it by your accent. Uh, no, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn with the accent, obviously. No, I was actually uh, born in France. <laughs> uh, you know, I moved to the U.S. about 12 years ago. I lived in the West Coast for the first uh, the first six years and then moved to New York about uh, six years ago now. So now you're fully impatient with the uh, current coffee solutions, if you will. It's exactly that. You know, when I was uh, going in San Francisco, I discovered a couple of wonderful coffee shops and completely forgot that I was, you know, spending 15 or 20 minutes at a time to get my cup of coffee. And now every time I travel back there, I'm like, you know, what are they doing? And in my, in my cup of joe, in and out. Uh, I don't want to be wasting time uh, waiting in line. 
So give me an idea on the uh, the process here. I mean, it looks like there's a physical piece of hardware in terms of the Gofi cup and then, you know, the delivery. Does it come in the cup? Like how, how does that process work? Sure. So we, we one of the challenges of delivering coffee is it has to stay, uh, you know, scorching hot. You know, you want to have all your drinks at 195 degrees uh, to make sure that it tastes exactly like if you were to, you know, coming out of the nozzle of, uh, of your coffee machine. So in order to do that, we uh, invested in uh, in our own coffee cups that are allowing us to keep the, the coffee as hot as it would be if it was coming out of the coffee machine, even after 45 minutes to an hour. So that I was to like do to solve the problem of delivery. The second thing that, to be quite honest, we didn't necessarily thought about originally, uh, but it also allowed us to tackle one of the probably worst part of the coffee economy, which is uh, the waste. So every time you drink a coffee and you get it at a coffee shop or even at the office coffee machine, you probably use uh, plastic cups or you know to-go cups that are not going to be easily uh, recycled because of the plastic uh, that is involved in the making of those cups. Uh, so with with our cups, we not only keep the coffee warm, but we actually end up going back and pick up all those cups at the end of the day, cleaning them up and putting them again at the circulation. So we're you know, removing the waste that is uh, linked with uh, drinking coffee today, which we feel is a pretty pretty good mission and a pretty good feeling. Absolutely. So what has been the biggest challenge you encountered when you were not only designing the product, but the company itself? Yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 the first thing is you're trying to talk to an industry that has been there and in non-change probably for the past, you know, 50, 60 years. You know, everybody loves uh, coffee in, uh, in America, but the way of getting coffee has always been the same. No one has really been thinking, you know, outside the uh, outside the realm here uh, of a coffee shop. And so for us to go and try to explain that, we would be able to aggregate all the different brands, would be able to make the drinks in one location and then get it delivered was a little bit hard for people to understand and even for us to understand to which extent we could actually do it, how much could we scale it. And then the second piece is from a from a business perspective, you know, we decided to only sell to companies. So sell this as a membership, as a perk that we want to go and offer to uh, to companies so they can offer that to their employees. And interesting enough, when you think about the coffee budget, it's probably perceive exactly the same thing that the budget that you have for your Wi-Fi or for your desk. You know, it's a must-have, but nobody really thinks about uh, how to optimize it or how to make it more efficient. Absolutely. So let's jump into the equity crowdfunding campaign. So you guys chose Start Engine as a platform to launch it with. How long did you spend preparing for the campaign and what made you decide to go the route of using equity crowdfunding to finance your company? Sure. Uh, so I'll start with the second question. We decided to do uh, equity crowdfunding after spending about six months talking to, I would say, a more traditional uh, venture capital and early stage VCs. And because we were more at the stage of a, what I would like to call a glorified MVP, we had a product with the first few clients. I think people were looking a little bit more on the traction already on our numbers from a VC perspective and didn't necessarily want to listen to the full story. Uh, when we felt that with uh, equity crowdfunding, we could actually present the full story and appeal to, you know, the passion that people have around their cup of coffee and the understanding of the convenience factor of our, of our service. So we, we decided to, you know, we got pitched by uh, a start engine. We looked at their solution. 
We really liked the, the, the clarification that they were bringing into every step of the process. And they help us, you know, getting our campaign ready in probably about a month and a half, um, just below below two months, which I think was really good from, uh, from you know, getting everything uh, in shape from a legal perspective and, uh, and you know, the page and the marketing. Uh, and then we're ready to, to go and launch with our, with our own plan. Excellent. So let's talk about a little bit about the prep work and typically the marketing side of it in terms of leading up to the campaign. What were some of the th- great things that you did to put your company in such a great, you know, financing opportunity for investors? So I'm going to actually say all the things that we haven't done because I think that's more interesting for most people. Uh, you know, success came relatively late into our campaign. So I want to, you know, give a little piece of advice for people so they wouldn't do the same the same thing. It took us 90 days to raise uh, $47,000 and 31 days to raise 950000 Wow. So, you know, the first 90 days were, uh, were very difficult because we understood what we were not doing right. And the truth was we hadn't, we were, too much passive about our campaign. I think a lot of people expect that, you know, because they're, I like to call it like, you know, because you're, it's your baby, you think the baby is pretty, so everybody is going to want to want to invest. But the truth is, is you have to like go and do a good job about educating people about, the, about your baby and about what you're trying to go and do. And that takes time and a lot of communication. So I think the mistakes that we've done in the early days is we didn't have a plan to uh, reach out to a lot of people. Uh, we thought that we had a closed network that would allow us to like go and raise the first, you know, fifty to one hundred thousand relatively quickly. And and actually, that plan wasn't wasn't uh, efficient enough because when you ask friends and family to invest, they don't have a they're not do, going to do it in a time in time sensitive manner, which is what you what you're trying to do. You're really fighting around the clock against the clock uh, in your campaign. And, uh, and people that you're going to go to in the beginning don't have that same sense of uh, urgency. So I would highly recommend, you know, for people who are uh, thinking about launching their campaign to really build uh, before uh, a good list of people that you know are going to invest in the first 24, 48 hours. Because if there's one big lesson that we've seen with our campaign is, you know, money attracts money. Uh, and so in the early days, if you're not able to show traction, it's going to get very difficult to go and get people on board. So that's the first thing on the preparation as well. You know, the thing that we we didn't thought about enough, but was to prepare the, a good uh, list of content and, you know, partnership announcement, articles, blog posts that we wanted to put on a regular basis that allows, you know, people to read up a little bit more about what, uh, you know, you've been promising and seeing it like being mentioned either in the news or in articles, uh, which will help validate their thinking process. And then the last piece, which is probably the most the biggest golden nugget I got into this, uh, this whole campaign, is be prepared to pitch and pitch and pitch again, you know, your, uh, your deck. Don't think that because you have a nice, well-done page, people are going to read everything and understand it. Just highlight the points that you want uh, people to really understand across uh, your, your company and get ready to go and pitch that multiple times. We ended up doing uh, weekly webinars uh, for anyone who wanted to hear more about our story. And we felt that, that we ended up realizing that that was probably the most efficient uh, way to do it and speak to multiple people at once uh, while explaining our business and taking their question uh, live. 
So did you have to do much, you know, like advertising or Facebook, Instagram ads for the campaign itself? We decided to not do any of it because from a personal perspective, I felt that it was, you know, spending money that we didn't had or didn't really had uh, yet into the campaign. Uh, so everything that we done was uh, through organic outreach, uh, either via a lot of it via email, phone calls, and then presentation, like I said, through, uh, through webinars and then augmenting them through our blog posts and social posts but none of them were paid. So how did you go about deciding on who your target investor was in terms of the overall audience? So here's a, here's a lesson that I've learned. They are not the people you think they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, all the people that we have identified that thought would be the easy win and end up being uh, people that we either didn't got money or got money very late. So I would say your target is everyone. This is the beauty of a, a crowdfunding campaign. So really think about leveraging your whole network. It's it's very time consuming, but it's really the way you're going to get it. It's it's based on casting the widest net as possible, uh, and you're going to get some amazing surprise. You know, I ended up getting you know on the spot investments of you know thousand two thousand dollars for people I hadn't worked with for over six or seven years, and at the opposite, people that you know for me have been and are still very close friends you know didn't got the investment or got very minimal investment after pitching them multiple times so i think it's you know trying to preset or pre-qualify your list of investors is uh is, is a little bit of a difficult game and i wouldn't spend too much time on it just know you're going to have to reach out and pitch to everyone so what percentage of the investors that came in were customers uh, that's a good question. I think from the customers, we got probably around like 7 to 8%. Okay. Uh, then thanks to the starting network, we probably got another 20, 25%. As you start, you know, raising more money, you start being featured a little bit more into the platform. And then the rest is from us reaching out to people, you know, leveraging some, you know, the webinar, leveraging some angel investment community and really marketing our, our product. So with all those marketing efforts that you guys put forth on this equity crowdfunding campaign, where did you see the biggest return? Uh, hands down the webinar, hands down the webinar, you know, being able to pitch, uh, you know, live, just like we're doing now, it's not very t difficult to set up. Uh, you just have to do it every week. Anyone can go and join and listen to you uh, pitch. You know, you have to keep it short and sweet, but more than that, people can then ask live questions. And as an investor, specifically in, uh, in crowdfunding, people want to make sure their voice is heard. And so for them to be able to speak to you directly while you're pitching, I think is, is very important. Uh, and we found out that people were very reactive uh, to those webinars and to those live questions and able to transform right away uh, into, into investments. Very interesting. So let's talk a little bit about your experience with your investors so far. And I know the campaign just closed, you know, at the end of October, as you mentioned earlier. But, you know, what what sort of feedback have you been getting from them and how have you gone about managing that feedback? Yeah. Uh, you know, the first thing that I, that I think is amazing is the level of support and encouragement that you get from your investors. Obviously, it's still the early days. We have a uh, we have not let them down and we're not planning to, but, you know, everybody's excited to be part of uh, of the investment. And I think what they want to do is they want to find ways to help, uh, which I think is is very, very powerful. Uh, two, they're very open with, uh, you know, giving you time to uh, follow them or support or sorry, uh, comment on their feedback, uh, which I think is very, is very useful. But three, I think it's just making sure that 
you connect quite honestly with them every time there is questions or things that need to be answered right away. There is some limitation in stuff that we can share while the campaign was running because, you know, as a regular, as a, a reg F, there is some stuff that we have to like, you know, we can only share if they are backed up by an audit. So you have to be careful about what you say and what you're allowed to say. But now that they're investors, you know, we, we see them as like an extension of our, of our team and, you know, ask them to go and share the posts that we do, the news that we share. And, you know, even in, engage them into some of the questions that we have uh, for our business with developing into, you know, as the opportunity to develop in multiple cities, getting some of their feedback has been very helpful. Uh, and we want to do more of that. Absolutely. So what's the, I guess, biggest surprise or biggest thing that you've learned throughout the whole process of launching an equity crowdfunding campaign on Start Engine? Um, I would say the, the number one is, you know, get ready to spend as much time as you can. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a roller coaster of emotion. There'll be days when you really feel like you're at the bottom of the, of the, of the ride and also in a couple of seconds you can go, you can go very high. So get ready to, uh, to have this uh, emotional roller coasters and to just never give up. Like, you know, those, those pitch will pay out. Uh, you just have to keep uh, beating the pavement. You have to keep pitching and you have to be honest with your investors. And if they, if they see that sincerity and honesty, they'll invest in you as much as they'll invest in the, in the promise of the business. Absolutely. So this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. I know you had your coffee this morning, so you're ready to go, right, Vincent? Yep. It's actually the first one, so bring it on. Let's do it. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Um, it's something I've had in my blood since I was, you know, I think born. So I can't say what it was inspiration, but I've always knew that I would get uh, where I am today. So if you could meet any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to have a goofy with? <laughs> well, uh, uh, being French, I have to like go and go with a French reference. So it have to be uh, Napoleon the first because he did conquest the world at the time. But something a little bit more uh, more comp- contemporary today uh, would you is uh, Jeff Bezos. Nice. Well, Napoleon is a first on the show, so I'd be really interested to know what your first question would have been for Mr. Napoleon. <laughs> uh, you know, it would be like, uh, you know, what what kept you going in uh, in the dark days? I think it's a question that every entrepreneur wants to get uh, uh, an answer to. Uh, it's an amazing experience, but it requires so much variation into day to day that you need to be consistent. And uh, he was able to do it through a great victory, but also through big defeats. Absolutely. Uh, any book you would recommend to our listeners? Sadly, I'm terrible at reading at books. I think I'm more and more part of the generation that have a very short attention span. Uh, so I would say I did read a lot of books, but I just read like a couple of chapters. In my case right now, I'm very interested in what Starbucks has been doing. So I've been reading uh, the book from uh, from Howard Schultz. Uh, but in general, I would say if you find a topic that you want to learn more, focus on one or two chapters and make it yours. Yeah, solid advice there. Uh, what's your favorite flavor of Gofi? Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm actually a cappuccino guy. I probably drink like four or five every day. And one of the things that has been the amazing discovery is I probably knew, you know, seven or eight big brands of coffee. And since we launched a campaign, we probably had another 10 that are more like local roasters. And some of those uh, coffee that are some roast in small batch are just, just amazing. Uh, so I've been, you know, testing new ones probably every other week. Nice. Last question. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? I think it's going to 
to continue to go big. I think there's need a lot of to need to be a lot of education. Uh, people need to understand exactly what are they getting into themselves into. And I think for the entrepreneur, there's still the fear that doing a round of crowdfunding is going to limit them in the future. It's going to be overlooked by traditional VCs as like, you know, not, there's not something interesting or something that it's not strategic to do. My perspective is actually those rounds are going to be more strategic in the future than doing a VC round. So I think the VC should be getting ready to switch that model up. Absolutely. Well, Vincent, this has been great. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch. Tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out. Sure. Uh, look, if you have an office, I know some people who work in office in Manhattan, just go to coffeeshop.com and tell them to go and check us out. We actually offer a free week of trial for every offices that sign up. Uh, and we'd love to you know, get your feedback on our website or our service. Uh, and we're hoping to go and expand to cities where uh, all our uh, listeners are uh, very soon in, in 220. Well, I can't wait until you bring it down here to the south, to Charlotte, North Carolina, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait until then. Um, audience, you know, obviously, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to GoFi, and everything else we talked today. And, of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Type. Vincent, thank you so much for being on Art of the Kickstart today. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it, and of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.